0: Can I tell you real fast, though, just to give you a quick idea? Yeah. I've got so much I could talk about in my book. Like, I've got a lot about my mom. My mom was a narcissistic, cruel, mentally abusive woman. That's a mo- the gist of my book. Then I talk, of course, about the out-of-body experience and my ability to, you know, communicate with spirits. Then I went to Catholic school and got abused there, so I call my childhood a, an experiment in terror because I had a crazy mom to go home to after school. And then I was raped by a stranger in college. And that whole, whole story is insane. And then I married someone. My first husband was just as abusive as my mom. So you know how you, you, you uh, gravitate towards what you know. Mm. Your normal is that type of person. And then how I broke the cycle of abuse in my family and um, for my own daughter and how I got rid of the abusers.
1: Hello and welcome to Mike's Open Journal and to episode number 92. Uh, A big welcome to you guys and thank you very much for downloading or subscribing to the podcast. Uh, I really hope that you enjoy this episode which is with another new guest. Today or recently I was joined by Julie who spoke a little bit about her story Um, and some of the the vicious cycles of abuse um, that she's been involved in or experienced through her life. And you heard a little bit about that and her book, which is called This Does Not Leave This House, uh, at the start of the podcast episode. So I'm really looking forward to sharing a bit more of Judy's story with you today. If you are interested in coming on the podcast yourself in future. Uh, you can find lots of information uh, about the podcast and the other bits and pieces that are going on at mikesopenjournal.com. And if you are interested in, like I say, coming on to the podcast as a guest, please do get in contact, have a chat. Um, there's no commitment to coming on if you talk to me. <laughs> uh, we can just have a conversation and see kind of what you're comfortable with um, or what you'd like to try. Uh, so I, I, I really enjoy it just as a casual chat. Uh, I know a couple of people have come on and wanted something a little bit more planned, um, which we can discuss as well, if that's what you prefer. But Thank you very much for listening in to this episode. And I am, as always, going to drop you straight into the middle of our conversation. Uh, I, ho- I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're able to take uh, something away from uh, the conversations that we have and from Julie's story as well. I'm going to throw this bit in at the beginning um, just because... I don't know, it, it always feels a little bit out of kilter sometimes at the end of the episode, but I want to say a big thank you to Julie for coming onto the podcast and sharing her story uh, and being very open about her experiences and just, yeah, being very open, being prepared to talk about things that we just generally don't talk about and things that maybe she's had negative experiences of talking about uh, previously. So I really enjoyed hearing more from Julie, finding out about her story, her experiences. um, And I hope you do as well. So thank you very much for listening. And here's me and Julie. Um, So after saying that, this is like the bit where we're going to start. We've then natted for another couple of minutes. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I said we're going to kind of start off by asking you a little bit about um your experience going on uh matt's podcast um like i said i've had a lot of guests that have come on and spoken to me about their stories and it's often been the first time that uh people have been onto a podcast um so i think it'd be really interesting kind of for us to start off with hearing a little bit um briefly from you uh, about what it was like to go on matt's podcast and talk to him and how it was to kind of talk about your story in that way
0: Mike, um, I really enjoyed doing podcasts more than I realized. Mm-hmm. I uh, was scared to death, scared to death. And I'd never been on the radio or podcast. My husband used to be a DJ on the radio. And so unfortunately, I asked him for advice and he told me to talk slow because mm-hmm. I talk a bit fast. And so I sounded very robotic. And very um, weird. And I guess nobody likes how they sound, you know, but I Mm. thought I sounded like I was about 11, which I might right now. (laughs) (laughs) I just hated it. But I tell you, Matt was so amazing at putting me at ease. And before I knew it, I was talking up a storm, which isn't um, too weird for me because I'm a talker and I've been offered money to stop talking (laughs) before that was just from my stupid brother. I knew he was never going to give me $5 to be quiet (laughs) for five minutes. So, you know, I really do enjoy doing podcasts for me. The more you can talk it out, Mm. the more healing that can happen. And if I can reach out and touch anybody that can relate to me or my life or heal through my story, can find healing it means everything to me and that's why I put myself out there and that's why I keep talking and I'm honored to be part of your show I've never done a show from the UK before I don't even think i sold one book in the UK yet
1: oh wow that should be our aim
0: (laughs) yes come on people in the UK no I want to heal you (laughs) or something or freak you out I don't
1: know no I think it's really nice I think we've had a brief chat before we started recording about um like the I guess the the intrigue of talking to people that aren't from near where we live as well and hearing the different accents and um just like the cool interesting things of talking to people from places other than where you currently live or where you were born and I think that's a really cool thing that we get from things like podcasts where we're able to pick up different accents or hear about the different ways that people think and um I'm really pleased to be able to be part of that kind of network of shows as well that are kind of involved with just getting people on board to talk about their stories and share their experiences in a really, um, I guess, a genuine, honest and open way. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing more from you about your story. And I know we're going to go into that in a second. And um, for me, yeah, it's just about having that platform. And it's really nice that uh, there are a few other shows that are out there, a few other podcasts where people have that opportunity to come forward and to talk about their experiences. And think, again, as we were sort of saying earlier, the, it's great to have people that talk about um, their situation and their journey. But if you do only hear one or two people, there's kind of that assumption that, oh, well, their journey is the way that it should be or the way that you need to be. And If you're not like them, then you're somehow weird or you don't connect with those people. And the more people that come forward and talk about their experiences and their journeys, um, I think the more comfort or support um, we're able to bring to other people as well. And so they recognize, yeah, there's different ways to um, recover. There's different ways to understand your condition. It's different ways to treatment. Um, there's different ways to kind of come to terms with some of the stuff that we have to deal with. And and that's okay. You don't have to fit a certain mold or model. And um, when you were saying earlier, like, oh, my journey is a little bit different and it might be a little bit different to what other people have said. I'm like, awesome. That makes me want to hear it. That makes me want to... <laughs> if it's exactly the same, I've heard that story, you know. Um, I think it's always interesting to hear... Um, as soon as someone says, oh, uh, I'm not sure, or my my experience isn't quite like that, or this might be a bit controversial, I'm like, well, I'm here, <laughs> I'm listening, I'm in the chair, I'm ready to go. <laughs> That's
0: good. Broadening your horizons, yeah. you know, letting people know they're not alone. For me, so many things that I experienced, I felt so completely alone. You know, nobody else could ever go through something like this, or I hope nobody else has. You know, but there, unfortunately, you learn through this that other people do experience this, too. Um, I think
1: that would be a really kind of nice segue into hearing a little bit about uh, you and your story and kind of where your story starts off. And um, I know that you've also written your book that we're going to talk a little bit more about, but just kind of a little bit about who you are and um, introducing you to, to the listeners as well.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I, um, I never intended to be an author. I never, ever once thought I would write a book. And I, um, I had an interesting thing happen to me when I was, well, back up. When I was two years old, I um, had a kidney illness called nephritis. And um, back in the day that I had, that was in the 60s. People go home and die from this illness. People do not survive it. And for some reason, I had a miracle. I survived it. And when I was 15, I had a kidney infection that almost killed me. Ever since I recovered from this kidney disease, I had kidney infections that were really painful and made you really sick. But this one certain one I had when I was 15 was different. It was worse than any I'd ever had. And, um, my mom, um, what can I say about her? She is narcissistic and abusive and dismissive. And I remember I was, I was laying on the couch and I was just sicker than a dog. Mom was on the phone smoking one cigarette after another, which also made me nauseated, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, mom, I'm really sick. I need to go to the hospital. I need some help. And, um, she's like, no, you just sit there. I'm busy. And, Boy, I just really struggled. And so my dad worked in a men's clothing store. He managed it. And he was never home. He got home at 9 that night in time to find me pass out in the bathroom. And so he he went to the neighborhood. You're going to love this. Okay, he went to the neighborhood <laughs> doctor. talked to her. Oh, my God. He he went to his house. He lived across the street, went and knocked in his house and said, I need your help my daughter's passed out in the bathroom and he's like, well, sorry, bud, I'm an eye doctor. (laughs) 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 And so you need to go call her doctor. So, (laughs) you know, they did. Luckily they got me to the hospital and, um, a, a bunch of nurses came out with a gurney and wheeled me into a, I found myself in a trauma room and all of a sudden I'm in the corner of the room and I'm looking down at my body and I loved it. It was awesome because I was not in pain anymore. I was bathed in this warmth. I can't even describe. It was peace beyond what I can imagine. And I kind of hovered. You could, I could feel my body just kind of moving up and down in a real fluid, slow way, Mm -hmm. but I'm looking down going, holy crap, that's me down there, you know, and I was watching everything they were doing and I overheard a nurse saying, doctor, we're losing her. And then I saw somebody run in what now I believe to be a crash cart Um, and people running around me and, you know, hurrying to save my life. And I didn't even care. I was watching it going, no, leave me alone. I'm happy where I'm at. I don't want to come back. And all of a sudden I was from like zero to 100 miles an hour, like hitting a brick wall. I could feel hands behind me pushing me back. And I landed in my body hard and the pain was excruciating. And uh, I really had no control over anything. You know, I don't understand to this day what happened to me. And I tried to tell the nurses that I watched, you know, I watched you give me a shot in the hip. I watched you do this. I watched you do that. And at first, nobody believed me. They said, look, you're really sick and you're hallucinating. But once I started saying everything they were doing, they started to believe me. Hmm. So cut to a year later. And I like to sit in my living room with the lights dimmed. I'm 15 year, I'm 16 years old by this time. <clears throat> and I'm listening to music real softly and I'm just relaxing. My mind is completely clear and I'm into the music. You know how you do, just chilling. Yeah. I look across the room and there's a civil war soldier standing there. And I'm like, whoa, first of all, you are really good looking. <laughs> and our eyes were completely engaged. It was eye contact to the max. He stood there so proud. He was holding his gun and I just stared at him, but I could see through him. And I'm going, you're not real. And I didn't see you walk in my door and you're just standing there. But where I'm seeing you and you're seeing me and I know you see me and I froze And uh, it got really cold in the room, too. I finally unfroze, got up, ran into the other room where my family was watching TV, and I just stood there. And my brother said, "Okay, what's your problem? And I'm like, and all I could say was, is it really cold in here? And they're like, sit down. You're interrupting our TV show. And I never spoke about it. I didn't know how to talk about it. Hmm. So when I was in high school, I had a teacher that knew I could see auras and that freaked me out because I didn't want to be different. I didn't want my friends to know that I was different. And so I really kind of squelched it over the years. And, um, but then I moved to this one certain house and activity started picking up, um, mostly good, but there was some real negative things that started happening that scared me one day. I was closing blinds in the bedroom and something came up and growled in my ear. And boy, when something like that happens to you, it, it sends you running out the door. It scares you beyond words. And so I, there's times I've just gotten in my car with nowhere to go and drove around because I couldn't be in my home. Hmm. And that's terrified me because you got to have a safe place. Your home needs to be your safe place, right? yeah. And so I decided I need some help. I'm going to go find someone who can maybe cleanse my home or explain to me why these things are happening to me or help me put an end to it. So I went to um, a, a place in town, um, a spiritual, you know, they have store, a store where they sell things like Stage, you know, one of those stores. And they also had counselors. Okay. And it was a weird feeling. When I went in this place, I almost I felt like almost emotional, like I really need to be here. And Mm -hmm. I talked to one of the girls about I need to cleanse my house, but I don't know how to do it. Here's what's going on. She goes, why don't you talk to one of our counselors? So I said, Okay. So I made an appointment, sat down with her and I suffer from chronic pancreatitis, which is excruciatingly painful. It's weird because I'll tell you when I forgot to tell you this part. When I left my body, when I was 15 from my kidney infection, my illness left me too. I never had another kidney infection after that. It's like I got healed. Like I had to leave my body. I went up and got close to the veil or something and I was healed. It's so bizarre, but I'm so grateful because Mm. they're so horrible. But about maybe 10 years ago, I started having episodes of pancreatitis, and I wouldn't wish that on anyone. It's horribly painful. Um, You feel like a metal rod is stabbing you in the chest. And uh, I uh, sat, anyway, back to my meeting. Sorry about that. Um, I sat with a psychic medium named Teresa, and I wrote about her in my book. And she looked at me and she put her hand right where my pain is. And she said, unspeakable pain. And I went, shut up. I mean, (laughs) when someone validates you to that degree, it's the weirdest feeling ever. Because she'd never met me. She didn't know me from Adam. But she validated to me she was real by doing that. You know what I'm saying?
1: I think that's interesting as well because you've kind of talked about some of the stuff that, like we've said, whether people will interpret those things in different ways. But I think the key thing is, like you've just mentioned, is the validation, wherever that comes from, for someone to actually say, look, I, I believe you. Yes. I, what you're going through is um, is real. This is a uh, – there is something here. It's something that so many people experience with their mental health. And, yeah, maybe yeah. it's in different ways, but – I I think that it shows kind of that importance, not that importance. The, um, the role that that interaction or that communication plays, um, with you in this part of your journey for someone to say, yeah, like, not I understand, but I hear you, I believe you, like, yeah, validating that experience is so important, and it's everything. Yeah, and it's something some people still haven't had. um, Yeah. So, yeah.
0: To be validated, to be told, I believe you, mm. I was always told you're lying. Mm. Every time I told my mother, no matter how horrible something happened to me, every time I'd say that to her, you're lying. I'll mm. talk about that later, but you're lying. Mm. One major horrible thing that happened to me, it took me a year to tell my parents and my mom's only reaction was, you're lying. And I I fell apart, mm. you know? But to be validated, you know, like that is insane. It's it, it is healing in itself. Mm. But this this psychic, Teresa, she looks at me and she goes after she, you know, told basically proved to me she wasn't a fake. I've been to a lot of fakes. Um, she said, Julie, you need to write a book. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I go, no, thank you. She goes, no, you really need to write a book about your life. And she said, the way that you were able to escape your abusive husband is incredible. And all the things that you've survived and you really need to write a book. She goes, I'm being told by the the spirit guides that you need to write a book. And I sat there and I thought, I don't want to relive my life. I don't want to write this book. And then she goes, Julie, it will really help others. And that kind of hit me. I thought, well, you know, a lot of times I wouldn't do something for myself. But when it came to people I cared about, you know, especially my daughter, I'd do anything. And so I procrastinated for about a year because that's (laughs) what I do. I procrastinate. And the number 16 has played a really weird part in my life. So when 2016 came around, I looked at my husband and I said, you know what? Maybe this is the year I write my book. And he said, go for it. And so I started writing. I like to go to Starbucks. I'm sure you have Starbucks in the UK. Everywhere. They're probably on Mars. But (laughs) uh, I started writing, and I really like to go relax with a cup of coffee. And I draw a crowd, depending on what I'm writing about, because I'm pounding on the keyboard (laughs) (laughs) in the the middle of Starbucks. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm writing about my life. (laughs) I'm not okay. Get me a stiff drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. But um, anyway, that's kind of how it all got started. It was, you know, it's weird to answer how why I wrote a book. Mm. It was never my idea. It came from the spirit world, basically.
1: I think it's interesting, though, because when you're talking about your story as well, it's the idea that it wasn't or it isn't for you. It was more a case of actually by telling my story, it potentially helps someone else or it helps other people. And yeah. I find that really interesting when we talk to, to different people that have been affected by mental health. So often when they say, Oh, I've the, the time I decided to talk about what I was going through was, was actually so I could help, um, this person that i know or i wanted to go into a school and do a talk so children don't feel the same way or i wanted to go into workplaces so they didn't feel stigma the same way that i do at work and so much of it seems to be around kind of helping or informing other people rather than looking after um ourselves or anything like that And i think that is really interesting and why you get to a stage where i I, i've spoken to a few people recently where they've said I'm going out and I'm talking about mental health and I'm I'm a bit concerned because I I I feel like a fraud because I'm going out and I I still struggle with some of these things. And yeah, but that's because you're talking about a really important issue and you're not talking about it as a I don't know. You're not talking about it as a professional, as an academic. You're talking about it as someone with lived experience and from an honest point of view. And actually, you're not there as someone to go in and say, look, this is what I have suffered with you're talking about what you still suffer with and that's what people yeah. connect with sometimes is people being honest and saying um like this is maybe what helped me or this is maybe why i'm here but there's no like a hundred percent certainty that what happened to me will happen to you or what worked for me will work for you and um there's people i know that have said oh, i went out and I've done this physical exercise or I've done some writing or I listen or play music. And that works for me. And I'm like, that's great. Um, but it's not going to work for everyone. And that's why it's really important. I think to hear those, those different stories and um, to hear like the spiritual side of your story is really interesting because I think I've only really heard it from one other person. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. Cause again, their story was, Um, quite different uh and it's it's interesting to hear that because it can be a really important part to someone's journey and like we said like the validation side of of your experience um maybe it's come in a different way but it's it's similar to so many stories and so important to that so I think it's really cool to to hear that part of I guess why you've why you've put your book together and why you've started to share your story and come on oh, to podcasts and things like that which is really interesting so um I know one of the things that you sort of touched on a little bit there was um family as well and I know for for some of the people that have been on the podcast before they've spoken quite a lot about how their family has been uh, a really important part of their support network and kind of helped them get through certain things but I guess your story has been a little bit different in that regard um I don't know if you're happy to talk a little bit about that
0: Sure, absolutely um I created my own family I had to let go of certain people in my old family Mm. like my mother which was hard to do for me guilt wise um you know but I have a husband now who's very supportive I have a daughter and she's very supportive and a beautiful little granddaughter named Eva, who's named after my grandma. Um, and she's three now, and she's just a hoot. Keeps me very busy. But, you know, um, I say I want to go back to that spiritual stuff. Yes. You're the first person I was able to talk to about it. I'm very quiet about it because I'm very self-conscious about it, <clears throat> you know. And I, I do think that people don't think they're an expert in something because they don't have a college degree. Mm. But I think... Living an experience makes you an expert mm. because you've lived it. I mean, you know, it's in your soul. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's okay. And I, I think that makes you an expert personally. Um, but anyway, back to my family, I had a, I grew up with a very um, mentally ill mother and it took me a lot of years to realize that she was mentally ill. Um, she's very narcissistic, very cruel mentally more mentally abusive more than physically, but she has hit me too. um, self-esteem destroying. Um, let's see. Everything was always about her. That's the narcissistic part. Um, she never, ever, ever apologized to me. Never once said she loved me. <clears throat> um, the first two senses in my book are quotes from my mom. Um, which are, Your father never wanted you. And I wish you had died at birth. That's kind of an overview of my mother. The title of my book, um, it's kind of interesting, is a quote from my father. And my father used to say often, this does not leave this house. Hmm. That's the name of my book. And I was coming up with a name for my book and I was, I was thinking I'm going to name it stronger or survivor or something like that. And my husband said, Hey, what's that thing your dad used to always say to you and your brother? And I said, this does not leave this house. He goes, yeah, that's the name of your book. I said, Oh yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Mm. So my husband named my book. Um, we already talked about the out of body experience I had, um, I went to Catholic school in the 60s, Yeah, which don't go to Catholic school in the 60s if you're left-handed. Oh, no. Or, you know, in my opinion, just don't go period. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I the left-handedness probably didn't help. <laughs> right? I know. They. I mean, first of all, the nuns are scary. They wore these habits that used to scare me to death. And they used to call them penguins, you know, their habits, they were called. Yeah. And I remember thinking when I was a little kid, but I like penguins. Penguins are cute little (laughs) animals and (laughs) these animals are anything but, you know, (laughs) I know. I I used to have all kinds of names for them. Um, Sister Mary Goretti was my second grade teacher and I called her Sister Mary Gorilla. Um, First grade, I was tied to my desk pretty much every day because I really could not use my right hand so they just take a piece of rope and tie you know those desks that are attached you know with the chair and the desk
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: uh, you know they just put my left hand down by the side of my chair and it just scared me to death here's this scary looking creature tying you to your chair and I think I'm probably the worst kid in the class because nobody else is tied down mm. and they put everything in my right hand and i i couldn't use my right hand i'm 150 percent left-handed my brain just couldn't mm. make the transition so that make them that would make them mad so they'd have me put my hand down on the table and hit me with the ruler and just you know lovely things like that i have a million stories about you know Catholic school, you know, just the humiliation of it all, Um, getting in trouble for everything. The best thing that ever happened to me in Catholic school was when I did get suspended for two weeks at a time. Mm. Um, They made us go to an open casket funeral in second grade, which to this day is still terrorizing me. Um I oh you'll love this though. Okay, well maybe not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to me I think it's hilarious because it was my justice. But I was sitting there next to Sister Mary, Goretti, mm. Gorilla, and uh I was getting really nauseated. I didn't want to look at this dead old man mm-hmm. anymore. And um I said, Sister, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm gonna throw up. And she said, No, you sit there and you behave. And I kept trying not to throw up, but all of a sudden I had to throw up. So I leaned over and threw up on her foot. <laughs> 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 Sorry, sister, but you should have let me go to the bathroom. Oh my god. That's all I have to say. I
1: Okay, not as traumatic as that by any means, but I do have a similar story. <laughs> um mine was yeah. not at a funeral. <laughs> I had I think I'd been off I'd been off school for I think about a week and this would, this is in little school, so I guess I'm maybe seven-ish. And yeah, I'd been off school for a week. I'd had digestion problems (laughs) and um, I'd gone back into school for like a half day just to try and um, get through a half a day. And I turned up, I think just before lunchtime, so I'd gone in um, and like seen the teacher or whatever, said, uh, back for this afternoon, um, so I'm going to come in and have lunch and um, be there for the afternoon. I'd been there for about 10 or 15 minutes and I, I really needed to go to the toilet. But at that stage we were um, out in the playground and I'd gone up to one of the... I don't know what they were like—dinner ladies, teaching assistants, whoever, school staff—and I was like, "Oh, I I need to go to the toilet." And they said, "Oh, you've got um, like five or ten minutes or whatever it is until you're back inside." And I was like, "No, I I need to go now." And they they were adamant, like, "Nope, you can't go in." And uh, yeah, it it all happened. (laughs) And I remember thinking, and I think because at that age as well, like you have. The teachers or some assistant or someone has to like sort you out and then get you sent home and I remember thinking well it's your fault I told you yeah. <laughs> I need to go <laughs> what's
0: the humiliation that comes with I it just, all I feel for you
1: I just oh man I yeah I remember thinking this like this is why you need to you like look after yourself because no, no one else will listen to you but no. I feel better about that experience now because it wasn't at a funeral and it wasn't on
0: a nun <laughs> yes. you can't be responsible for things you have no control over, my dear. Yes. But I'm very empathetic, and my heart goes out to you. I can really feel the anxiety that must have put you through.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't, I honestly don't remember how I felt about it. I just remember the, the thought of like I told you, um yes. and it wasn't like a an instant thing. It's just like I'm like, like your situation. Like you know, it's coming. You're telling them, like, I need to go. Um, I guess it's that crossover where, um, I don't know, whether the message doesn't go through to some adults as to the seriousness of, like, no, this is going to happen now.
0: (laughs) You you weren't listened to. That's the problem. You weren't feeling listened to. But um,
1: away from those traumatic things, (laughs) I I, I really like that idea that you kind of started off that, that answer with, that I've kind of created my own family um and I oh, really yeah. like that sort of thought because so often I think we're told this oh you you can't pick your family but you can pick your friends and um I think yeah. for me uh, like my parents divorced when I was quite young and have very much uh broken elements um to the family setting and I think that's it's really important to sort of identify what people consider family because i know i know people that have very very close friends and um are almost like brothers and sisters to each other and i think that's really important that we do kind of recognize and again to a certain extent actually validate those relationships and say um that you do create the family that you have around you you do um make effort and pay attention to those people and you make time for them and you include them in your life and um some people that will naturally happen with parents brothers sisters uncles whoever uh Mm -hmm. but actually there's a lot of people that draw on friends and we talk about husbands and wives and and how that kind of connects and creates the start of your own family as well um And I think that's really interesting. I don't know what that experience has been like. And for you to to now have um, a husband that's there supporting you and your family is obviously growing as well and how that's kind of affected you in your journey um, as you've kind of moved through your life.
0: It's helped me a lot. You know, it's just the self-esteem that was non-existent Mm. in my past is coming back slowly. Um, I have a saying that says, take life as it happens but make it happen the way you want to take it. So I invented my own surrogate family because I stopped wanting to take all the crap I was taking in the (laughs) past. You know, you can't get kicked uh, forever. You just finally say enough, Mm. you know. And I finally, when I I turned my mother loose, it was an ugly scene at her house. And um, it was probably close to four years ago now. And I just looked at her and I realized I'm beating my head against a brick wall. You're never going to love me. You're never going to speak highly of me. I mean, she says the most ghastly things about me, badmouths me to everybody who'll listen, makes up stuff about me, um, takes my deepest hurt and uses it against me. Mm -hmm. I, I finally, you know, she was threatening me with the police and, uh, I mean, I was just standing in her house. She didn't want me. she wanted me to leave and I wasn't leaving fast enough. So she's going to call the police. And I finally, I, I looked at her and I said, look at this face, mom. It's the last time you're ever going to see it. And I, I, I turned away and I walked out and I just felt empowered. Mm-hmm. I felt sad. I cried all the way home too, but I knew that it was time. You know, I'd had enough abuse and I needed to start caring more about myself. And, uh, I did also go get therapy for a couple years. Um, when I, when I married my first husband, I married someone exactly like my mother, Mm. which is a really weird phenomenon to me. It's kind of like that abuse becomes your normal. So that's what you go look for. Mm. Your normal is not normal at all, but it's normal to you. So you don't know any different. And I married someone who was physically and mentally abusive. Um, and it's, it's in the book too. But once I finally escaped him, it took me about a year. Um, he told me he'd kill me if I left him and I had every reason to believe him. And so I had to look out for my daughter. Um, and Once I finally got rid of that terrible relationship, I realized there must be something wrong with me because I gravitate towards bad people and I've got a child to think about now. And so she was my inspiration for getting healthy. She is who saved me on many occasions when I couldn't save myself. And I think that's why you hear a lot of people who are suffering from mental abuse um, say, I couldn't do it for me, but I'm happy to do it for you or somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gives it purpose. For me, it's justice. I think writing my book gave me the justice and the closure I never felt before. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. And you you hear a lot of times people um, don't break the cycle of abuse in their families. You know, they were abused by their parent. And then they go on and have children and they end up abusing their children just like they were abused. Yeah. But it's so important to break that cycle. And that's what I'm trying to promote with mm. my book is saying, here's how I broke the cycle and here's how you, you should break the cycle for your own f- benefit and for your own family. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think it comes uh, very much across like... Again, as we kind of said earlier, it's about getting more people to talk about their experience. And I guess whether it's conscious or subconscious, like you say, the environment or the situation that you're brought up in and that you're raised in is what you're naturally going to gravitate gravitate to, is what you're going to accept yeah. as a uh, a normal, if there is a normal um, relationship, environment, place to be. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, I think a big part of that is, for some people, maybe that is an active decision of this is what I want or this is what I like. I like being around danger or I like being in a situation where I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, but it could also be that subconscious thing that, oh, actually, this person somehow um, understands me or gives me uh, belonging or meaning. Um, but unless you are exposed to other people and other situations i don't know i think it's hard to say how would you how would you know that there is something else out there that life could be different that actually you might prefer something else um and that's yeah i think that's really important and i i get what you're sort of saying with the breaking the cycle because unless you knew you were in a cycle or that there's a different type of a cycle you could be in i can't think of a good analogy for that at all (laughs) (laughs) but unless you knew (laughs) that unless you knew there was something different unless you knew there was something different how could you um yeah how could you change your situation i think that would be really really difficult Um, i
0: think it's inside everyone knowing what they want you know it's almost like treating others how you'd want to be treated Mm -hmm. is pretty much how I broke the cycle. Mm -hmm. It's watching my girlfriends with their interactions with their own mothers and seeing what normal is. Sometimes you have to see it in front of your face to know your life isn't normal. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I watched my friends, you know, at a young age interact with their loving mothers, you know, and things that they did for them just blew me away. And I, I always wished I was their daughter too. You know, I always picked all, all my friends' moms became my surrogate mother Mm. and I created, you know, kind of like an imaginary life in my head of what I wanted. And then when my daughter was born, uh, that's an intense story too. In the book, I had no support from anybody. I wasn't married when I got pregnant. My I did end up marrying her father, which was a mistake. Um, he threatened to punch me in the stomach and make me lose a baby if I wouldn't get an abortion. My mom tried to trick me into one by making me what I thought was a well-baby checkup. And all of a sudden, the doctor says, I'm sorry, we don't do abortions. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not here for an abortion. Which, I mean, I, I say it like it's just another day, but that is such a betrayal. Yeah, I did my mother try to murder my child? You know what I'm saying? Um, and I was so completely alone. And then I almost lost her when she was three weeks old to spinal meningitis. So you could say she's a miracle too, Mm. but I remember looking at her and promising that life is going to be so very different for her, that I was going to treat her with love and kindness every day. And I made a point Every day of her life, I told her she was beautiful. I told her I loved her. I told her she, you know, meant so much to me. And I basically showered her with everything I wished I'd had. Hmm. And so you either you either beat them or you join them. I chose to beat them, and I'm I'm so fortunate I did. I I I will I will um, admit I don't think I disciplined her as much as I should have. Discipline is a form of love. But I I could never spank her. I was afraid I would lose control because my parents did discipline out of anger and, you know, lost control all the time and and literally beat my brother. My dad did. I didn't get as much beating. Like I said, mine was more beating me down mentally. Hmm. Um, But I just...
1: um, Do you think part of that is maybe you recognizing... Your own kind of health and importance in that situation as well. And like you say, maybe you feel that more discipline was needed um, in the parenting role, but actually yeah. you were looking at. But for me as well, I feel like this could cause an issue. If I parent in a hundred percent the way I want to, it's going to affect me in a way that I'm not comfortable with or that I'm not sure about. And actually, yeah. that's a really good thing that you went do you know overall actually it's more important that I'm able to be balanced and I'm able to be here for my child and do the best that I can do maybe I'm not a hundred percent the parent that I want to be but I'm going to do the very best I can and part of that is looking after yourself as well
0: yep it is it is hundred percent and um you know, I did, I do feel like I took that pendulum and swung it really far, too far to the other side. But what I see happening with Stephanie, that's my daughter's name, um, with her little girl, Eva mm. is she's bringing it all back into balance. Mm. I call her free range mom. You know, they have two little dogs and you'll see Eva when she was just a, a baby crawling over and getting into the dog dishes and playing <laughs> in the water. And I think as a mom, I would have freaked out and gone and picked her up and cleaned her up. Yeah. But Stephanie is just let her play, let her explore, let yeah. her experience her world. And, um, you know, they do time out and more discipline in that manner, which mm. is great because if I ever saw anyone lay a hand on her, I think I'd flip out. Mm. But um, I, I don't believe in spanking, I think it's abusive and I don't think it um, works. I don't think you want to make your child fear you. Mm. <clears throat> you know, kids do need discipline, though. I do hear it is a form of love. Mm. But because of my own background and my life, I, I can't stand to see a child get hit. and that. But that's just my own hang-up, you know? Um, and I think maybe it's also
1: that. understanding, you maybe understand more, um, the potential effect that that can have on a young person. Yes, yeah. it's, it's good in terms of the discipline. You've got an instant reaction. But long-term, are there going to be... Um, causes are affecting that does it mean that your relationship like you say with the child is more one of fear one of authority rather than um someone that's actually there to protect them uh, it's really hard to tell we could talk for hours and and still not yeah. come up with an answer for that but i think the the fact that you kind of give thought or consideration to that is the most important thing i remember listening I can't remember if I was listening or watching, actually. Um, A uh, kind of uh, research type thing by uh, Freakonomics, I think is an American show. And um, they were looking into, is your child more or less likely to be successful based on their name? Um, And we're doing research about um, children with perceived common names or names that would be potentially non successful and uh more traditional or well established names um so you had names like oh this is difficult like Mercedes compared to a Sarah mm-hmm. and it was really interesting and kind of at the end of a I think about a 90 minute like I say I can't remember if I was listening or watching this um show they kind of basically summarized with Um, It doesn't matter what your name is, the the thing that comes into play is whether your parent put thought into your name. So if they put thought into it and decided to call you um, Mercedes, then you are more likely to be successful. The very fact that your parent considered that um, shows that they're much more likely to be considerate around what they do, how they bring you up um, and the choices that they make alongside you. Um, and that that played a much more important role rather than your name and how people potentially perceived that. And it was really interesting as to sort of answering a question with an answer that was very much not what you thought you were going to hear when you went into the story. Yeah. Um, and it's re- yeah, it's really interesting to sort of hear the that different things that go into um, I mean. like young adulthood as well, I think, and the importance that um, those experiences those experiences play Um, and I think potentially I guess linked into to your story when you were talking about being younger and um, seeing the the servicemen with the rifle and things like that and um, to some people maybe they brush it off other people are 100% into that and straight away going I can see people I have an understanding that other people don't um I have a certain ability uh and then you kind of sort of sat in the middle with the I saw this there's something going on but I don't know exactly what it is
0: uh um, yeah I'm trying it's, to consider it a gift
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's the yeah just the variation and you just you don't know the different ways that people are going to react to that and the 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 different levels I guess of importance that someone's going to place on that at that stage and at that age as well
0: yeah Yeah. You know, can I, can I share with you a a funny story, how I named Stephanie?
1: Yeah.
0: It's kind of on a woo woo little woo woo ish. Um, when I was pregnant and, and I, I I bet every every other woman out there who's been pregnant for the first time can relate. I swear, everybody wants to tell you what you're going to have and everybody wants to tell you their horror story of giving labor, which had me completely terrified when it was my turn But everybody and their dog told me I was going to have a boy. So I honestly only picked out boy names. Secretly, I always wanted a girl, but I had boy names picked out. But I never had a doctor tell me what I was going to have. But Mm -hmm. everybody predicted wrong. So one night I had a dream that I was holding a baby in a little pink receiving blanket. Mm. And a girl came up to me and said, what is your baby's name? And I looked down at the baby and I said, her name is Stephanie. And so then when the doctor said, it's a girl, I said, her name is Stephanie. And I looked at my baby for the very first time and she looked exactly like what I had Oh So wild, right?
1: That's so strange and so interesting. Have you told her this story?
0: Oh, yeah. What does yeah, she say when
1: you tell her the story?
0: Uh, she just rolls her right. eyes, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay, mom. Yeah, I get a lot of that. Okay, mom. She goes, "Woo, woo mom." Oh, no, yeah.
1: It is. You see,
0: it's
1: oh, because it makes you think. Did, um, did in your mind? Did you have that name? And then through the dream that sort of replicated that or was it just completely random and in your dream and
0: completely random yeah completely not even a a name i would have personally come up with you know yeah um i like names like jessica like sarah Mm. i like you know but stephanie was never on my radar Mm. and but when he said it's a girl i said oh my gosh I had, I took it as a premonition. Yeah. This is what I need to name her. Yeah. And luckily, she loves her name. And uh, she named her daughter Eva after a woman she'd never met, which was my grandma Eva, who died when I was six. Okay. But because I speak so highly about her mm. and what a good, giving, loving um, woman she is, she named her Eva because she wants her to be just like her. Oh so that's God. a real honor. That's really,
1: yeah. I really like it when you get the sort of, um, the passing down of family names. I think it's, it's really nice and it's, uh, um, I don't know, I guess because it's a, a chosen name rather than the, like the actual family name, which is passed down almost without choice really, um, I like it and it's a yeah it's a nice thing that you don't sort of see all the time as well
0: yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty special it's a tribute for sure you know an honor
1: um kind of moving away from the happiness and the joys of of babies and names um I kind of want to move uh towards the end of the podcast and really talk a little bit about Um, your book before we finish and a lot of the stories um, we've spoken about uh, are things that are are in your book we spoke about the journey to to coming forward to to writing that Um, it'd be interesting to hear a little bit about your kind of your experience since having written the book how family or friends have kind of taken that how it's been for you to go and talk to people about the fact that you are now an author and what it's like to have written particularly a very personal story.
0: Well, thank you. It's a uh, still sinking in. I check my stats on Amazon way too often mm. and it drives me crazy. <laughs> I mean, it takes time, right? For people to find you. Yeah. I, I did some good reads giveaways and um, just different promotions. I am starting to um, do more s- I have my first speaking gig at the end of this month at a women's group tea. So I'm very excited about that. It actually happened that someone that they had had backed out. So they, they had heard of me. And so they said, Hey, Julie, do you want to do it? I said, yeah, I want to do it. I left out. So I'm pretty excited and, and nervous about that. It's my very first speaking gig. Yeah, Um, I hope I don't, you know, blow it. But um, I didn't I did expect a little bit of um, pushback from family members. I didn't I didn't change anybody's names, but I didn't use last names either. Mm. I I really I didn't want to offend or upset anybody, but I did have to tell an honest, truthful story, Mm. because basically when you look at the name of my book, this does not leave this house. You could say I was threatened into silence mm. about things in my life. I've had a lot of friends from high school reach out to me and say, oh, my gosh, Julie, I never knew. Mm. I got that's because I never told you. I never could tell anybody. Yeah, it was just quite an, uh, enlightening for a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm I'm proud that I wrote the book. I did. Um, spend the money to get it edited mm. professionally because I want to give my readers the best product I possibly can. Mm. And the person that edited it did a great job in keeping my voice mm. um, and, um, but just cleaned it up and made sure, you know, the grammar was 100% perfect and the spelling was perfect. I, you know, I want to give that respect yeah. to people who take the time to read it. It it means a lot to me. Um, so far, I think I have nine reviews on Amazon.
1: Oh, that's good. It takes a lot of effort to get people to actually write a review as well. <laughs> uh, I know. You, you
0: just, you just got to plead and beg. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Amazon doesn't let friends and family... Um, leave reviews oh. I don't know what kind of algorithm they've got That's but strange. boy they, they got big brother watching big time Jeez. you know I know so all those pers- all those people I paid and bribed I, <laughs> they can't leave a review <laughs>
1: <laughs> you'll have to do the review first because I need to know that you exactly. can actually give it <laughs>
0: exactly and I have started I did leave a big story out of this book I have started to write another one Um, I found out by accident, I like to write. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it was never my own idea. Basically, Teresa told me it was my spirit guides that said, write this darn book. Mm. So I, I said, okay, I'll do what you say, help me out. And they kind of left me on my own after I did it. (laughs) (laughs) They're listening to me right now going, yeah, sure, Julie. Um, but, uh, I
1: mean it gets you started though doesn't it that's the thing whatever yes. it is and I think a big part of this um because I kind of feel from you you've obviously spoken to people that um don't believe or accept um your experiences to uh, to a, yes. an extent and I think a yes. big part of of belief for me yes. is kind of getting away from this just straight line of this is truth uh, and this is false and it's There's a a lot, I think, in being able to say it doesn't matter whether something has happened or didn't happen or is real or is not real. It's about being able to understand this is someone's faith, it's their belief, it's their experience and it's true to them. Um, I've spoken to someone recently quite a lot around um, faith and religion and we've spoken a lot about having different views and I think that's what's really come from it is it's really important to be able to... It shouldn't matter what other people think of, of your faith, of your experience. It's them being able to say, and again, I guess it kind of gives that validation. that Actually, I believe that this is your experience. I believe these are your thoughts. This is 100% what you've experienced uh, and what you felt and what you think. It doesn't matter what I or what someone else thinks about that. Um, it's being able to say, yeah, I, I totally... Um, accept that that is your, that is your story. That is your experience. Um, and I just think it's a shame sometimes when people say, well, I don't believe that. So that didn't happen. Like, well- yeah,
0: exactly. I'm actually meant it, it not, not, uh, something that never happened. Cause you just don't believe it, yeah. you know? And I think it
1: didn't happen you could, to you. So yeah, it's, it's not it your experience you. that we're talking about. <laughs> we're exactly. talking about, you yeah. Know, I'm
0: not trying to profit off of off of my experience. It happened to me out of the blue and it still happens to me out of the blue. Yeah. And I, you know, <clears throat> it's the weirdest darn thing, Mike. I mean, I could just be sitting here right now talking to you and all of a sudden a spirit could pop up in the corner of my house. You know, they have, I, I've been told that I'm, like a beacon, they know mm-hmm. I can see them, so they're drawn to me. And I have had the opportunity at times. People say I need help passing over. I say I don't know how the hell to help you with that, you know. And so I, 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 a thought pops into my head of like, well, create a light, light a candle, mm-hmm. blow the candle out. Maybe that'll help them move mm-hmm. on. And I do something just on a whim or by my own, um, impulse or whatever. And I don't see them again. So maybe I I did help. It's just weird. You know, maybe all your thoughts aren't your own and you are being guided. Mm. I don't know. I do think kids that grew up in abuse, like I did. I think sometimes we need a little additional guidance from the spirit world, um, divine intervention. You could call it. I, I do believe that they're around us always. Um, and I never knew that 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 was the case until I started having my own experiences. Mm. I never thought about the spiritual world. I'm not Catholic anymore. I call myself a recovering Catholic, <laughs> but I do have a strong faith in God and I know the spiritual world exists. And that's just kind of my bottom line. It's like mm. you don't have to believe me. I know what I've experienced, you know, I could be crazy, lock me up, I could use a vacation, but you know, (laughs) I don't know.
1: I think that's really nice though, like it's not, to me, it's not like you're um, experiencing something that's putting you or someone else in danger, it's about this is how I experience my life, and I again to me I'd be like oh sit down and talk about that like what do you think there's a reason why that happens or are there connections or um it's just it's hearing and understanding that people live different lives different types of lives and um I think that's really important especially when we're talking about mental health and it could be that um someone has um maybe issues with hearing voices or seeing things and we say actually you need to sort of consider the different options to that like is it something that's spiritual is it something that is an illness is it something that actually you've just got a really active imagination It's it's being able to have that conversation without people thinking oh if i say this someone's going to lock me up because i sound crazy again it's it's kind of fostering that sense of um understanding I guess amongst people uh yeah I I don't know I think it always seems to come back to we just need to talk more and be more understanding but it sounds very simplistic
0: I know I know I mean I watch shows like I don't know if you get ghost adventures over there I watch shows like that because I am not a skeptic I mean I can't possibly be a skeptic with what has happened in my life Mm. Um, Oh, do you want to hear one last weird story before we go?
1: Yeah, go on. Finish yourself with a really weird one. (laughs)
0: Okay, I'll hurry up. Um, I have a Bible I keep on my mantle in the living room because a lot of activity happens in there. Mm -hmm. One day I came home from work and the Bible was open on the floor, just laying on the floor open. So I thought, hmm, is there a message here? Do I need to read this? So I did. And we're just saying, I know this sounds crazy, but it's the truth. My maiden name was written on one of those pages mm. and I stared at that and I go, okay, you wanted me to know that my maiden name is in the Bible. And I just couldn't quite grasp that, but I don't know if I could find it again because I closed it up after I, you know, freaked yeah. out a little bit, but it's in the Bible. And I would have never known that because I tried reading the Bible. I don't understand a word of it, but just to have a, a, it do that, it's, these things are just mysteries. Mm. The mysteries of my life, you could call it, and we'll end it with that.
1: Oh, the mysteries of my life. I love that as an ending.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the mysteries of my life. Maybe that's so go buy my book. Yeah, maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe that's book two title.
0: <laughs> buy my freak show of a book. <laughs> well, my brother used to call me a freak of nature. So,
1: oh, yeah. well, we'll take it as a nice thing. I'm not... <laughs> I've really enjoyed hearing more about your story, Judy. Um, it's well, been really interesting you, to, to hear um, more about you and your adventures. Um, if people want to find out a little bit more about you or find info for the book and stuff like that, do you have um, any like web links and stuff like that that people could go to?
0: Yes, I am on Amazon. I'm on Amazon UK. Um, if you just Google my name, it might be easier than Googling the title of the book. I don't know, you could do both. Oh my god. You'll probably put my sure. name down on there. It's Julie Coons with a C. It's like raccoons without the R and A. It's C-O-O-N-S. <laughs> my husband hates it when I tell people that. He's like, don't <laughs> I go? Oh, somebody in grade school teased you, didn't they? <laughs> Julie Raccoons without the R and the A. I'm um, Julie Coons author on Facebook. Let's see, I'm on Twitter. Thank you for accepting my request, by the way. That's okay. uh, I'm Julie Coons one on, at Julie Coons one on Twitter. I have a website, juliecoons.com. You can email me at connect at juliecoons.com. And you can probably Google me and find all that stuff too. Cool.
1: I'll make sure I'll have a look for the Amazon link and I'll make sure that I add that into the description as well. So if people want to have a look at that, um, it'd be a nice easy click onto that one as well
0: you could go juliecoons.com and there's a click on there to go to amazon i am exclusively on amazon at this moment
1: ace i'm i'm i can't believe how much i spoke to someone the other day and they're like oh do you get much um do you do much shopping online and I'm like, oh my god I, I do almost all of my shopping apart from food shopping on amazon now it's ridiculous
0: it's isn't that, it easy yeah, i, I did all my christmas shopping on there you know, but then when I hear about places like Toys R Us closing, then I feel sad because I want the option to go there, but all of gone to but, shop online, and it's no. killing.
1: Us. Well, yeah, because I um I thought the same thing the other day, and I was like, oh, I, I should go in. And I was like, actually, I I've been in a couple of times in the last year, but I go in, look around, and it's more yeah. expensive than it is online. So I would That's like true. I'll go into the shop, look around, and then just go home and buy it online. I thought, oh, it's. Wow.
0: And if you you try to go buy buy stuff in your um, pajamas, you might get arrested, but you can buy online in your underwear.
1: That's true. And that is a big selling point for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's easy. Just open up your computer and they mail. I like to. Oh, this is becoming a fun thing. And I need to do this again. I like to go find little toys for Eva. And then have them mailed to her home. So then it's a big surprise. You know, she gets something at her door and it's from her grandma. Oh,
1: that's nice. That's.
0: Oh, by the way, you know what? You know what she calls me? What's that? It's hilarious. Grandma is interpreted to Eva as gay. She calls me gay. (laughs) And grandpa, you're going to love this even more, is interpreted for her as caca.
1: Oh. So we
0: are gay and caca. Lovely. <laughs> well, I want to write a book, The Adventures of Gay and Caca. You know, it's disturbing, but it's just, welcome story? to my world. <laughs> I know my daughter's like, we have got to change this. How are we going to have her out in public and? say gay and cock I took her with her mom and dad to go trick-or-treating and <laughs> he goes up to this door and I'm at the end of the driveway because I'm one of those paranoid you know new grandmas mm. and um, she says to this man at the door she looks back at me and points and said that's my gay <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I go hi I'm her gay <laughs> deal with it <laughs>
1: oh dear that is quite funny just as
0: cute as can be i swear she's such a (laughs) cutie
1: oh amazing stuff oh dear
0: and a little crazy like her her gay too (laughs) i said to my daughter i said i I prayed too hard for a silly heart didn't i she goes oh my god mom stop yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh
1: dear that is is a silly heart Oh, well, I've enjoyed talking and I'm, oh, I'm so glad we finally managed to get the time stuff sorted Me
0: up. too, Mike. Hey, anytime I'm here, I got more stories if you're interested.
1: Yeah,
0: that's cool. More normal stories, if you'd like.
1: <laughs> I've had um, a couple of people in the last, oh, I don't know, month or two, that have been like, oh, it'd be cool to come back on now. I've done like the first one with like an overview of my story um so yeah it's just it's just trying to schedule stuff in really um but it'd be yeah it'd be really nice to have um another chat later on in the year and hear a little bit more about um we can focus in on a particular time story or hear about something else um as well that'd be really cool
0: i would love that hey that's good you're easy to talk to and people like talking to you so they want to come back so that's a compliment for you
1: yeah, it's nice. And like I say, having that platform just to share share, share people's stories and have a chat about some of the stuff that we can't just, I don't know, we can't? I guess it's not we can't, that we don't just go out and talk about in the pub or the coffee shop or whatever and starting to gradually create that culture of acceptance and talking about some of our less... Uh, not normal. Some of our less traditional experiences.
0: <laughs> yes, it's a freedom for me. I tell you, I I'm too self conscious, or I was I was just brainwashed mm. growing up mm. that you don't talk about these things, and yeah. now I'm talking about them, and you can't shut me up.
1: Obviously. <laughs> <this one. laughs> oh dear! And I think that's really nice though, because we're getting to that stage where a few people are saying that it's not how. Um, This is not how I was brought up or this is not the environment. And um, I think that's always going to change, like, society norms and things like that will change over time. And it's really nice that we're um, here at a time when people can have a real effect. And you can change lives by having your story shared and sharing it and hopefully improving the situation for... um, the next generation but also just the people that are here now and the people that are going to be here in the in the years to come and try to create a bit more of a, an acceptance around some of the struggles that people have
0: I hope so my my goal is to inspire positive change in the world and if I can do that I'm I'm here for anybody you know to share, and it, it means the world to me. I get a little emotional when I think about it because I know what I've experienced. And if there's anybody out there who had anything close to me, hmm. I'm sorry, but there is life after abuse, and hmm. you can heal from it, and you can overcome. And I'm I'm thrilled that I'm going to be heard in UK. Hi UK. Ooh.
1: i'm like do you you want
0: me a ticket mike okay i want to come visit
1: yeah Yeah. everyone's going to be fleeing america soon anyway
0: (laughs) i'm surprised they all haven't all the people that said if trump wins i'm i'm moving to canada they're They're still still here yeah they're still here
1: they're like we can ride this out people we can ride it out (laughs) we
0: can ride it out i don't understand any of it but that's oh, another story that for another definitely
1: day. another story. I think we'll end there before we go down that turn <laughs> That's
0: right. That's right. It's been lovely to talk that's, to away you. Away from here. politics and religion, I yeah. tell you. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I don't mind talking about it, but I need a lot of time.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? I don't comment on anything political on Facebook, I'll tell you that much. Oh, geez. You can get slaughtered on there.
1: Right. Anyway, anyway, um... Yes, yeah, it's been lovely talking to you. And I look forward then to next time.
0: Well, thank you, Mike. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate your time. No worries. And thank you, UK.
1: We wave back in an audio way that really can't be shown.
0: <laughs> I can see myself, but you can't see me.
1: Well, I'm waving.
0: <laughs> I'm waving back. Bye, Mike.
1: Bye.